0: Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Praise God. Praise God. we you take your seat for just a moment. Amen. We happen to be in the house of God this morning. Amen. Anybody? Anybody happy to be in the house of God this morning? No? Amen. Amen. I praise God. I praise God um, just to be here this morning. It's always, I love just stepping into the presence of God and worshiping with my, with, my, with my church, with my peeps. There's nothing like it, man. We just gather together and worship God, honor God. I also want to thank God because he did bless our marriage with another year. Uh, ten years. We've been married for ten years. Me and my wife. And it's uh, it's been it's been a blessing. It's been um, they say marriage is hard, and sometimes it is. But for the most part, I'm pretty easy to live with. So <laughs> it's been easy for one of us at least. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely uh, love our marriage, and I love my wife. And I, I couldn't have asked for a better a better uh, person to spend the rest of my life with. Amen. It's it's a blessing when you find the right one. Amen. Um, but this morning I'm, I'm ready to preach the word. Are you ready to receive the word? Yeah. Amen. If you would, why don't you stand with me one more time? Matthew seven, Matthew seven, 21 through 23, just a few verses here this morning. And when you find it, give me a nice, amen. Let me know you got it so that we can go Matthew seven, twenty one through 23. Amen. amen praise God and I want to just uh, as always just um, challenge you to to open up your your heart and your mind for whatever it is that God has this morning because I believe that he does have a word amen and so it's Matthew 7 21 through 23 if you don't have it I got you it says this it says not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven and on that day many will say to me Lord did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Amen. Let's, let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. For this word, my God, that you've spoken over me, Lord, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will just speak it over your people here this morning, my God. I pray that you open up our hearts and our minds to receive this word, Father God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you be on my lips this morning, my God, and that you give me a fresh anointing, Father God, to deliver this word to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can take your seat. (sighs) Amen. I've preached from this passage uh, on a number of occasions uh, Matthew 5 through 7, it's known as Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus covers a lot in these few chapters. Um, and kind of here in the context of chapter 7, Jesus is talking about false teachers. He's talking about false prophets. He's talking about people who come in the name of Jesus, and they're dressed in sheep's clothing. They, 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 they want to make you seem, uh, or they want to make it seem like they're genuine, right? Uh, but they're really ravenous wolves, and he also talks about not, judge, uh, not judging others without first having examined yourself. And so that's kind of the context of what Jesus is talking about. It's almost as if he's speaking of, against, like, fakeness. And fakeness isn't a word, but we're going to make it a word today. Fakeness. You don't, anybody in here want fake friends? No, you don't want fake friends. Jesus doesn't want fake followers. So you can, you can look like the real deal to people. But to God, God's like, don't bring that to me because I can see right through you. I see your heart. And so there's people who lie to their family. There's people who lie to their church, their leaders, their pastors, even themselves. But God looks at the heart. What the father wants is your heart. And maybe you don't look the part to other people. Maybe they think that you need to be a certain way. But at the end of the day, we have to remember that we are going to ultimately answer to God and we're going to stand before the seat of judgment of Christ, not the judgment seat of man. And so if you spend all of your time, church, trying to please people and study people so that you can be the best version of yourself for people, when do you find time to be the best version of yourself for God? So I think it's for this reason that Jesus is going to say to so many people in the church, we're talking about people in the church I never knew you. Last Saturday we had a we had a leadership seminar, and um, with some of our leaders, Mike Rosas, who was with us last week, he gave two very powerful seminars. Man, just awesome! He's an awesome storyteller. He gave us his testimony, and uh, it, it was it was awesome. And, and he said one little thing that I I wanted to expand on. I love how God kind of just gives me sermons on little nuggets that people say every now and then. Um, Sometimes I'm in a conversation with somebody. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to use that in a sermon. Uh, And so I told him, I I went to take him out to eat last last week, and I I told him I wanted to kind of piggyback off of a point he made. He said something along the lines of of this. He said, the idea of our faith being a relationship and not a religion is cute, but Jesus never said it. I'm going to say that again. The idea of our faith being a relationship and not a religion is cute, but Jesus never said it. Instead, what the Bible says in James 1.27 is religion that is pure and then defiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I love, I love my, my cousin Rachel. Every time we mention the orphans and the widows, she's like right there, preach it, preach it. She's got such a heart for, for that, uh, that community. And that should be all of our hearts because that's the heart of the Father. If our heart doesn't break for that community, we're missing the heart of God. We're not doing it right. James basically defines religion. Care for the least of these. That's, that's true religion in the eyes of God. It's also, it's also very much in the Old Testament. God is always telling Israel to care for the poor, care for the helpless. And if you think about it, the entire reason that God the Father sent God the Son was to care for the hopeless, the helpless, the helpless. You and me, at one point in our lives, we were dead in the trespasses of our sin. We were unable to save ourselves from the hole that we were in. We were destined for hell, for death. But Jesus in his infinite love and grace came and and was a propitiation of, of us on the cross. He cared for us. And so because he cared for us, we should turn around and share that love that Christ has bestowed upon us with other people. I've I've said it pretty often that I don't want to be a church that that isn't intentionally trying to reach the least of these. If God looks at the heart, that means that my heart should break when his breaks. That means that my heart should rejoice when his rejoices. God's heart is the model for my heart. That's true religion. That's religion. And I love that we sang this song this morning Break down the walls of my religion. Because there is a bad religion. We're going to talk about it in a little bit. There, there is a man-made religion that, that is evil. And that sometimes we confuse with God's religion. So that song says, break down the walls of, of my religion. Because your way, somebody say your way. Your way. I, don't know, I don't even know if y'all awake this morning. Your way, your way. God's, way your God's way is better. My way sucks. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I can't, you know, sometimes I, I think that I'm on it and sometimes I'm like, man, yeah, that, that, was, that was good. That was smart. That was wise. And then God humbles me because my way isn't the way. God's way is better. But there's, there's, a, there's this idea that Christianity is not a religion. How many have heard that before? How many have heard, how many have read, there's a, there's a shirt that says, a religion kills, right? Jesus saves. I think we've all kind of heard that. We don't like religion. And I think this idea that Christianity is not a religion, I think it was, uh, it was made even more popular in 2010. There was a video that came out um, that said, why I hate religion, but love Jesus. I don't know, Maybe maybe you've watched it. But it's, uh, it's got, I mean, tens of millions of views on, on YouTube. It was really popular when it first came out. The, the creator, uh, he, was, he was interviewed on, on national news. His, ne- his name is Jefferson Bethke. And he later wrote a book called "Jesus Is Greater Than Religion." I still remember having conversations with people in the church about that video. They were saying, "What do you think about it?" And I, I thought it was incredibly powerful because it spoke against the traditional ritualistic, judgmental, legalistic aspect of the church, and instead it favored a genuine relationship with God. I mean, who isn't for that? That's what we preach. We say all the time, God is a relational God. God wants to know you. You must know Him. He's, He's the Father in heaven. That father, child relationship is in itself a relationship. We stress, we stress the important all the time of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit because He is a person and He dwells in your temple. And if you defile your temple, it's going to grieve Him because He lives there. So our walk with God is absolutely a relationship. Without the intimacy, all you have are rules. All you have are, are tradition. There's no love. It's just empty. And, and I, I referenced this verse earlier, but God told uh, Israel in Isaiah, he says, I hate your festivals. I hate your sacrifices. They're worthless to me. Learn to do good. Learn to love the cause of the orphan and the widow. So I get it. Christianity is is a relationship. And I, and I think that the video... Was well-intended. I, I think he was right in so much of what he said, but this idea that religion is useless is not what God had in mind. Is relationship important? Yes. Is religion important? Yes. And the title of my message is very straightforward. It's called "Religious." Religious. I want to redeem that term this morning, if if I can, in the next <laughs> thirty minutes. A lifetime of of a a derogatory term that we use. When you call somebody religious, you don't mean it in a good way. You mean it in a negative way. You mean to say that 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 person is judgmental. You mean to say that they're legalistic. You mean to say that you just need to chill out a little bit, loosen up a little bit, too religious. We think of Pharisee. Pharisees were, were much more concerned with the law of God than they were God himself. And so there's plenty of people like this in the church still Hence, why we still use the word "religious" in a negative way. And can I just tell you, church, that these people aren't—they ain't gonna go anywhere. Hopefully, they don't stick around here at Numa Church. <laughs> but in the body of Christ and the community of faith, you're gonna find people who nitpick at everything. Have you ever met a Christian who has a problem with everything? Everything. They find a problem with with what you wear. It doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what song you sing. It doesn't matter what verse you chose for your sermon. It doesn't matter how you preach. It doesn't matter what you preach. It doesn't matter. They're looking for a problem. They're like home inspectors. They're looking for a problem. (laughs) These are the people... These are the people that Jesus was talking about in chapter 7. He says, stop judging people when you have plenty to be judged on yourself. Just because your sin is different and a little bit less noticeable and it's a little bit more polished doesn't mean that it's not on you and that it's not harmful. That's how religion, religion has become corrupt because some people treat religion like it's their own little box. And you have your own little box and you get to put in whatever you want in there. And you can take out whatever you don't want in there. And if your box doesn't look like my box, then you're in the wrong and you're going to hell. That's where we've corrupted religion. And I agree. That's not what we want. I don't want that here in our our church. We have to be able to to draw the line between cultural differences in worship and religion. Culture is man-made. Religion, true religion, is from God. Amen. Women don't wear, don't wear jeans at church. That's culture. That's not religion. Pastors should be suited up is what I was told once. <laughs> That's culture. That's not religion. And, and there's, a, there's a place for culture. Don't get me wrong. There is a place for culture. It should be respected. If you were to go to a church where it's customary to take off your shoes... You'd be in the wrong if you were there arguing with everybody. Respect the culture. Respect it. But you know what? If you don't fit the culture of the church, leave the church. Go to another one. If everybody else is suited up and you're like, man, I don't own a suit and I feel out of place. And people look at me funny because I'm in jeans and a T-shirt. Go to another church. You probably never hear a pastor say go to another church, <laughs> but, 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 but that's, that's the difference between culture and, and religion. And you, you don't want to be disrespectful to the culture. The culture in Paul's day was women cover your head. I don't see any, all y'all in sin this morning. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not in the, not here, but that's the difference between culture and, and religion and culture should be respected, but it's not the same as religion. And a lot of times, what's cultural, it it starts out as a biblical truth. It's taken from scripture and then it's twisted. It's twisted by society. It's twisted by that generation. And and they think that it's religion, but it's their religion. It's culture. The Pharisees, they took the Old Testament law of Sabbath and they twisted it. They made it conform to what their generation thought it was. And so one day they see Jesus' disciples Plucking some some heads of grain in a field on Sabbath, and they accuse Jesus of violating God's law. And Jesus has to correct them. He says, "Man was 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 not made uh, for Sabbath; Sabbath was made for man." That's, That's that's the difference between true religion and culture. The word religion it it actually comes from a Latin word which means to bind. It means to connect. Religion means to bind. It means to connect. If you're taking notes, to bind, to connect the way that people have used it today is to be bound by a set of rules, but that's a distortion of what it really means. True religion means, see the the, the way that, that it was originally used. Religion is something that would bind or connect a person to a deity, to their God. In other words, a religion is a relationship bound by certain expectations, I'm gonna say that one more time. A religion is a relationship bound by expectations. Your relationship with God, church, is defined by a set of expectations. But the expectations aren't set by man. They're not set by you, they're set by God. When you enter a marriage, it's helpful to know what the expectations are. It's always good to go to like, you know, some some type of premarital counseling, or at least have some type of discussion, talk, talk about it before you get married. What do you expect of me as your, as your husband? What do you expect of me as, as, as your, as your wife? What, what do you want? What, what are we going to, how are we going to do life once we're married and, and connected and bound together legally? Well, how, how are we going to do it? What are the expectations you want to talk about that? Because if you know that you're unable to meet the expectations of that relationship, it might be better not to enter it. The problem that many people have with religion, and the reason it's become so, uh, so distasteful to people, is because they don't get to define anything. The Christian religion, the Christian faith, it's not defined by people. It's not defined by religious leaders. It's not defined by the the church, like in the more you know, Catholic traditions, it's defined by God Himself through His Word. Sola Scriptura. That's what the that's what the Reformers called it. It's scripture alone that our relationship with our Creator is defined. What's happened over time, though, is is because of this idea that religion is just evil, we've thrown it out altogether. Maybe you were hurt by the church because of a cultural expectation that they placed on you that you were unable to meet. And, and you confuse that with religion. And because you confuse it with religion, you walked away from God. And at one point, you, you wanted nothing to do with God because you, did, you just didn't like religion. But now maybe you're coming back to God. Because you're hearing that there's, there, there's, a, there's a church down the street, there's a church, and, and they let you wear jeans and, and they let you wear a t shirt, and, and it's, it's come as you are. And you're like, oh, really? This is what God is like? Okay, I can, I can have a relationship with God, but I hate religion. And no, 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 hold on, don't hate religion. Because it wasn't religion, religion wasn't the problem. Throwing out religion is throwing out the expectations that God has for you. People forget that we're not equal to God. We're not equal to God. We, we don't have a say like God, you know, like, like we have in our marriage and in, in my marriage, we're equals. My wife isn't better than me. I'm not better than her. We, we we're both heard at the same level. Not literally, though. Because she speaks a little bit louder in conversations. <laughs> but we have we have this. We're, we're, we're equals. We're not equal to God. God is far greater than anything we can think to be. We don't get to set the expectations. And in our generation, that has become quite the problem. Because, because when you start telling people that religion is bad, religion is useless. People think, okay, I can come back to Jesus. I can do this relationship thing, but not religious thing because religion kills, Jesus saves. And then you enter this new relationship with God without true religion attached to it. And what ends up happening is your relationship is like an open relationship. I've never been in an open relationship. I never plan to be, never want to be. I don't even dream of it there's i imagine just a world of hurt that it leads to a world of confusion that it that it leads to ultimately destroying and severing the relationship because it was undefined there was no boundaries imagine your wife or your spouse telling you hey let's not have boundaries Imagine your, your spouse telling you, we don't need any rules. We don't need any expectations. You can do whatever you want. I can do whatever I want. You can come and go as you please. I can come and go as I please. You can be with whoever you want. I can be with whoever I want. Let's just, we're just, there's, there's no, there's, there's no expectations. I don't expect anything from you. I can spend all the money that you make. You can, you know, you can spend all the money that I make, or if I don't make any money tough, you know, it's just like, there's no, there's no expectations that leads to uh, to what the great philosopher of our time, Jada pickett Smith, calls an entanglement <laughs> if you know you know if you don't know i, I don't have time to explain it to you <laughs> an entanglement They're 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 said to I better get her name out of my mouth because <laughs> <laughs> they uh they they have, they're said to have an open relationship. And, and that led to what, what she describes as an entanglement with someone else. That's what an open relationship is going to lead to. An entanglement with the world. An entanglement with sin. That's what it leads to because you haven't allowed God to set the parameters of the relationship. That's where religion is important. Don't throw it out. Because you throw it out, you throw out the boundaries. And you're trying to have a relationship with God not defined by anything. You know what, God? I love you. You love me. We're good. And, 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 and sadly, but this is such a reality, this is why people who grow up in the church, and I, and I know plenty of them. I know many of them. I can name at least four by name. People who grow up in the church having a relationship with God, loving God, going going to youth group, going to all of the events, every Sunday after Sunday at church, they grow up struggling with their sexual identity. They grow up battling that same-sex attraction. And they get to a point where they say, you know what? God loves me. And then they hear religion is bad. Rules are bad. This is a relationship. God will take me as I am. God will love me as I am. And they throw out religion. They throw out God's religion. Because they've convinced themselves it's just a relationship. It's an open relationship. And I know a lot of this, what I've been talking about is is pretty extreme. And you might say, Pastor, I don't deal with any of that. But it doesn't start that way. It starts innocent. It It starts with little things, little compromises that you make, little lies that you tell yourself that God really doesn't care about. It's just a religion. Taking my family to church all the time, that's so religious. I don't need to do that. I can skip a few weeks every now and then, praying regularly, reading my Bible every day. That's religious. I don't need to do that. I know where Genesis is at. I'm good. Praying, praying every single day. And then we justify it. We justify it. We say, I don't talk to my best friend every day. We have a great relationship. God is not your bestie. He's your God. He requires more of you than your best friend does. He requires more of you than your spouse does. This is why Jesus says in, in Luke fourteen twenty six, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, for the newer Christians in the room, don't take that word hate. Literally, we're not called to hate anybody, but we are always called to be ready to choose God above anyone else. Every relationship, even yourself, you have to die to yourself. When you come to Jesus, you die to yourself. You die to the flesh. You die to the world. You die to everything else that bounds you and you make him your God. You make him your Lord. And church. If God isn't number one in your life, he's not God in your life. He's a God in your life. By definition, God needs to be first because he is first. He was there before the foundations of the world. He was there before you and I were here. He's God. And if he's not first in my life, he's not God. He's not God in my life. To have a relationship with God Listen, to have a relationship with God means to honor God and the things that he cares about. Not the things that you care about. He desires to be first. He sets the rules. He sets the expectations. He's the creator. I'm the created. He's the savior. I'm the sinner. He's God. I'm not. This mindset of God doesn't really care about what I do. I'll be okay. I don't really need to be connected to a church. I don't really need to seek him daily as long as I love him. God sees that. What does Jesus say in John 14, 15? He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's the stipulation. If you love me, obey me. See, what's happening is that this, this religion has been hijacked by man. And that's why, that's why we justify saying that, that religion kills and Jesus saves. But if we want to be technical, true religion saves through Jesus. Because to receive Jesus as Savior is to also receive him as Lord. Making Jesus Lord of your life, it requires obedience. It requires leaving behind the excess, the junk, the stuff that weighs you down so that you can belong to him. You are bound and connected to him. Romans, Romans talks about this transfer of ownership where before we belonged to sin, but then we were bought with the blood of Jesus and having surrendered to him, we are now slaves to him. We are bound to God. I know, I know that might not sound good, but I, I praise God because my master is a good master. He's a good, he's a good God. He's a loving God. He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. He's a providing God. I am happy to belong to him because the alternative is the world. The religion of doing for man, that kills. That kills. Jesus spoke against this time and time again. It was the religious people who announced to the world. We're fasting. It was a religious people who would stand outside the corner of the synagogue and they would they would pray out loud to be heard by man. Religion is just another thing that has been distorted, corrupted by man because it requires you to do something that pleases men. A True religion. True religion. And this, I want you, if you're not, if you haven't paid attention, I want you to pay attention now. True religion means to do the will of the Father. So I want to, I want to go back to our text real quick. What Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of the Father in heaven. He says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You know, it doesn't matter how many times I read that. It always gets to me that the people who thought they were serving God, the people in the church, the people saying amen, the people serving The church, the people saying, Pastor, what do you need? Not everybody, but some of these people, Jesus will say, I never knew you. And they're genuinely going to be confused. Jesus, look at all the things that I did for you. Look at all the stuff I did. But you know what? As I was reading it, it, it's it's a very simple, uh, a simple reading of the text. It tells us something. It it tells us you can be a minister, you can do all the things in the name of Christ, and at the same time, not be doing the will of the Father. Did you you hear that this morning? Because sometimes we think that by doing something for God, something I want to do for God is doing the will of the Father. Jesus, Jesus pointed out something so profound in his own ministry. We don't really pay much attention to it, but he said in John 6, 38, he says, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. On the night of his arrest, Jesus, the Bible says that his spirit is troubled. And what is he doing? What is he praying? God, if you will take this cup from me, I don't I don't want to do this. I've spent 33 years of my life here on earth just anxious for this moment. Not, wanted, not wanting to see it because I, I don't want to go through it. But then he ends his prayer with, Lord, not my will, but your will. What if Jesus... Go with me. Are you still with me this morning? you all a little quiet this morning. This is not one of those Pentecostal fire messages, I know. On the night... If his arrest, he was troubled. And I just imagine Jesus, because I've I've been there before, man. I I just I try to reason with God. Have you ever had to try to reason with God before? And you try to get God to see you in, in a way that you see yourself. Like God, look at the good that I've done. What if what if Jesus, what if the Son of God would have been right there before the Father and said, Lord, I I've done your will. I came to heaven. I humbled myself. I became a man. I didn't want to become a man. I was God. I don't want to become a man. I did that. I lived a life of sorrow like Isaiah prophesied that he would be a man of sorrow. I've casted out demons. I've healed the sick. I proclaimed the coming of your kingdom. I did miracles. I did some crazy things. I forgave sins. All of this I have done in your name. But this is where I draw the line. Could we have said that Jesus did the will of the father? I don't know who needs to hear this, but obedience to God in one area doesn't make up for disobedience in another. You're trying to justify it. God, I've I've been obedient with all this over here. Look at this. Look at this. You're going to focus on this one little thing. Look at all this that I've done. Obedience to God in one area. Doesn't make up for disobedience in another. The will of the Father was for Jesus to come, die, resurrect. He was to be the perfect, unblemished sacrifice for our sins. Everything else was supplemental. Every, he didn't need to heal. There was there, there was some times where where he said, "You know what? I didn't even come for this. <laughs> I'm going to rest." He didn't need to heal. He didn't need to cast out demons. But all of that just helped advance his purpose. In the same way, church, God isn't concerned with your religion. He's concerned with his. We don't set the rules of our relationship. I'm going to have the worship team come up. We don't set the rules for our relationship because he's God. He does. You know, one uh, somebody was asking me the other day, I think it was just last week, they asked me how I knew that, that God was calling me to be a pastor. How did how did you know that? How did you hear the, God, uh, the 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 calling of God? Because I believe that God speaks to us in a variety of ways. I think to some people He might speak to you through dreams. I think sometimes He speaks to you uh, to you through a prophetic voice. To me, the way that God uh, called me, He He put a burden on my heart. He put a burden for His will, and the longer I kept resisting. The longer I I, I kept saying, but God, look at what I've done here. Look at what I can do here. God, use me in in music. I'm willing. I'm willing to go platinum for you, Lord. (laughs) I'm willing. I'll write a book. I'll preach at churches. But I don't want to do that one. I would have been outside of the will of God because of that one thing that I would have said no to the father to. Because I would have set the parameters of my relationship with God. Can I tell you this morning, church, and I know that it's a hard word. I know that it's not easy, but it's not, it's not about, it's not about you. It's not about what you want because he's God. And if he's calling you to something, be obedient. If you love him, obey his command. As much as it hurts, as much as you want to resist it, as much as you don't want to do it. I was telling someone in a conversation when they said, they they announced that they, they were homosexual. And I just, I remember saying, you might always—I don't—I don't know—I don't—I know, don't, I don't like to to speak in, in universals, but I, I said it's possible that you will always struggle with that temptation. You might always struggle with that temptation because when when, when God calls us and He saves us from our sin, He saves us from our, from our sin, but we still deal with the temptation. We have to resist the temptation. We have to resist the devil, but we're still gonna we're still gonna face it. And I remember telling this person, "You might face it for the rest of your life, but if God is going to be your God, you have to say yes to Him. You have to say yes to Him, or you can give in to this. But you can't have both, because God requires." Certain things. God requires holiness. God requires that we are not stained with the world. And sometimes it's very hard to hear. It's hard to hear. It's like it's 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 heartbreaking. Can I you know can I just sit down real quick? I'm sorry, I'm just gonna sit down. You ever broken up with somebody because it just wasn't gonna work out? Like that that's where <laughs> have you ever broke have you ever had to leave a relationship that you didn't want to leave? You you I love you. There's there's love here. And it's real, but it's not going to work for whatever reason. Those are heartbreaking. Those are heartbreaking. And it's possible to have your heart broken because you can't have what you want and have God as well. So you have to choose. Your love for God has to be greater than your love for yourself. And that's hard. And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking for the man who, when Jesus said, Jesus said, sell everything, sell it and follow me. The Bible says that he left sad because he wasn't willing, he wasn't willing to do what was necessary. And it broke his heart. Let our hearts break for the things that break God's heart. Let it break. Not because we're saying bye to God. Let it break because we're saying bye to the world. And you know what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen? God's going to restore that broken heart. He's going to restore it because he's going to take it because you're going to put it in his hands and he's going to do something beautiful with it. The world can't do that. Sin can't do that. If you say goodbye to God and you have a broken heart, the world will never repair it. Ever. I want to do the will of the Father. I want to do the will of the Father. One day Jesus is going to speak and he's going to speak to people who had a platform, people who had influence, people who we might even say had an anointing, but Jesus will say, I never, I never knew you. I knew of you. I knew what you did. I didn't know you. Because if we don't do the will of our father, if we don't do the will of our master, all we are is a runaway slave saying with our lips that our master is good, but with our heart abandoning God. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. this morning Lord we want to do whatever you want Lord I want to do the will of the Father I want to be found in your will my God because even if it hurts even if it's uncomfortable my Lord even if it's not where I want to be it's where my soul longs to be I want to please you I want to please you because you are my best friend you are my God, you are my Father so this morning my God, I want to make room I want to make room for you Lord, I might have to part ways with something that I've been dealing with for a long time, I might have to part ways with something that that just it it, it tempts me and I give into it far too often but I want to make room for you my God because I want to be yours I want to belong to you And this morning, man, my desire this morning is just to fill up these altars with people who are hungry for more of God. Can we do that? I want to open them right now. And let's just worship God. Let's worship our creator. And let's have him examine our hearts. My God, I want to be, I want to be pleasing to you, Lord. I want my relationship to be defined by you and I want to please you. I want to get to heaven and I want you to look upon me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.